and uh, welcome to episode 16 of the Pro Painted Podcast. I am, um, this episode's a bit of a change. I am joined by both uh, Mr. Rob Ellis. Evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, uh, sweating my balls off once again. We'll get to that in a minute. And um, <clears throat> I'm also joined by Ian. Hello. Ian. How are you, Matt? Yeah. Uh, same same response same response good um so a couple of factors um unfortunately we've not been able to do the guest spot on the podcast um that is due to a couple of people i'd like to get on um simply being unavailable um and also there's been a little bit of downtime um two factors a boss fest uh, and b um just this fucking heat it's horrific um so yeah we will do a, a guest um, episode next. I have people lined up. Not gonna, not gonna tease who it is yet, but we'll announce it on Twitter closer to the time. Um, so yes, unfortunately, you stick with us three again. But I think it's quite an interesting time again in the hobby. There's an awful lot going on. Um, so yeah, we'll just um, we'll chat our usual bollocks, and you know, there we go. Um, so <clears throat> Rob, how how is everything? How's the how are you finding life with the baby? Obviously, you've got Isabel and Bellacore both, you know, developing, coming along well. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go into uh, a bit more of some of my thoughts a little bit later, but generally everything's okay. You just mentioned to Ian that it's my uh, Monday was my first day back in work after paternity leave, so oh, three weeks and a bit off. That is. Yeah, so um, back in work and sort of trying to get back into some sort of routine with uh, sort of hobbying, obviously, uh, sort of taking any chance I could get whilst I was off, uh, any kind of, sort of whatever downtime sort of presented itself. But it was all very much ad hoc and couldn't really sort of think anything, oh, I'm going to get a couple of hours in here or a couple of hours in there. But now that uh, you know, looking forward to sort of getting into some sort of routine where I can put aside some some time specifically for it thankfully uh love island is still on so uh, whenever that comes on kate doesn't mind me coming out into the uh into, into the hobby area and getting some stuff done and i think celebrity big brother starts soon so she loves that as well so that'll be another i think that's on for a little bit longer each night as well which might mean i get a bit more hobby time in sorry um, did you say your wife was called kate or, or jen i'm pretty kate. sure i'm pretty sure jen's exactly the bloody same kate yeah. Also, yeah, that's, yeah. that's quite nice. So, Love Island and all that crap is the saviour of hobby time. It is, and and the good thing is, is it, there seems to be always something on. Yeah. So, and I think the TV, obviously, the TV schedulers, you know, they, they're not going to put their sort of prime sort of trash TV stuff and overlap it. So it's always, you know, if it's not that, it's I mean, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, or Big Brother, or something's on. So at least that affords me some sort of hobby time because she knows I can't stand watching that sort of shit so um, yeah it's uh, looking forward to getting back into routine obviously uh, um, been powering ahead I had a couple of, sort of hobby breakthroughs with a couple of things that I'll go into a little bit later but yeah all, all good awesome and I'm sure all there's good. quite a few hobbyists listening that had that same kind of new child fitting in the hobby kind of scenario so I'm sure they're kind of nodding along <laughs> as, as yeah. you talk um I will say, um, obviously, I mentioned about it being hot. Uh, if you're not in the UK, we're having uh, an unseasonably hot period. Um, I 
particularly uh, kind of live in um, the Costa del Sol of England. Um, I'm right on the south coast, proper little seaside town, and it is belting here. Um, you know, we're hitting like 30 degrees quite regularly. So it does mean I have my windows open. And as we're English, if it's warm outside, that means it's totally fine for you to be outside with your power drills, you know, sanding away, cutting drunk party karaoke with your friends so there may be some background noise so sound quality will likely dip for this episode um but hopefully we'll get back to the usual rain and cold uh, weather so we don't really have to worry about having windows open sound quality <laughs> so much yeah. which will happen eventually um so ian what about yourself how you been uh i'm good i've been potting away doing bits and bobs just been a hobby butterfly at the moment just to, just to jump in there. And, 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 and I was going to say, unfortunately, Ian lives in Liverpool, so you're always going to have police sirens in the background where he is. And every episode. Probably. Every yeah. episode. Honestly, that, uh, obviously you heard that um, emergency vehicle in the background. Every episode there's one, guaranteed. It's just your thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You start talking yeah. and just there's just an ambulance. Yeah, our police car. I hope you're not just calling standard. them on purpose. <laughs> No, I no. Just, I, just, um, I just get one for three doors down. That I'll time that right. Well, oh, yeah, give it. Yeah, no, no. It's just the it's just the general ambiance of the city. <laughs> but, yeah. So it's good. Yeah, I've just been potting along. I've just been. It's too hot to do with shelves. So I've trying to be just been avoiding them. So I've been. <laughs> So you get hot and flustered as well. You're like, oh yeah, look at these witch elves. Oh god, uh, just, yeah. oh, look at these witch elves. Yeah, it's kind of too hot to sit in the same place, layering skin. So I've, I've um, about chopping done some done exactly. Yeah, uh, no, I've done some. I've done a load of random stuff. I've um, done some tyranids, done okay. some, uh, built some shade spire, the skeletons from that, which is just a ridiculously good kit. Yeah, um, and I've done some. I've done a night haunt model. I've done the Lord Executioner. Oh yes, which, which I which I bought a few, um, and I was super pleased with it. it. Took about three hours from start to finish. That's cool. Um, so yeah, so I did um, been messing around with. Um, just I thought I'd do it. I'd try to do it in a um, in a different sort of speed painty type technique, hmm. um, and it worked really well. So what I did, I um, used five different color spray cans. So you started with five, yeah. So I started with Halford's Grey as the primer. Lovely. Uh, then I did. Then I used GW uh, Mechanica Standard Grey mm-hmm. from about forty-five degrees from the top. Yeah. Then used black from directly above. Yeah. Then Corax White from sort of about forty-five degrees underneath, mm-hmm. and then Halford's White Primer from pretty much underneath, right. like directly underneath. So I created the... No, no, that took me about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that was the... So it's essentially it's doing the opposite of what you do with the airbrush. Yeah, it's reverse isn't it? It took him three hours because he passed out halfway because he's spraying so much aerosol <laughs> in an un- unventilated area. So work work up after an hour and a half, like, fucking hell, what happened there? <laughs> To be honest, yeah. five spray cans ain't half far off the price of an airbrush. Yeah, but anyway, it worked, so I did that. Then I, I painted all the um, 
extra bits really quickly, like the uh, hangman's noose and the wood and the metal and the straps, um, and um, then just essentially dry brushed it, then washed it all over with the um, the new technical paint, mm-hmm. and then gave it a quick dry brush over the top with um, niblet green and the dry brush yellow. Niblet that green. Yeah, that's a, one of the dry paints. Is that really what it's there called? Niblet uh, green. It is, yeah. Niblet green. Um, <laughs> um, oh, the other thing. Yeah. Carry on. No, no, go on. Um, the other thing I did, I put all, I did the base, um, including all the tufts right at the beginning before I'd sprayed it. Okay. Um, so they're kind of, they're very dark. All the tufts, are kind of, all the base is done in this, done at the same time and then just a light dry brush over the top um, with greys and a little bit of yellow and pink on the tufts just to give it a bit of colour and then a little bit of green dry brushing over the top to give it kind of a glowy um, concept army type one effect <laughs> so, yeah Louis <laughs> specifically had to add that in yeah I know. so yeah I'll just do this bit and it'll look concept wanky <laughs> yeah um, but yeah so are you going to be bringing this model to Blackout so we can do some <laughs> share some photos of it? Yes, I am planning to. Yeah, um, and it was so quick. I'm kind of tempted to do a night haunt army now. Mm. Yeah, uh, because they are nice models and so speedy. It's just ridiculous. So I reckon I could crack out an army in a maybe a month. So you say mm. that three hours for a model? It's quite a lot. Yeah. You sure you you're sure you meant to say three hours, not thirty minutes? Yeah, it's about three hours, but it's for character, okay. so it's quite big. The Lord Executioner. Sure. Um, so I reckon I could do a probably do a unit of the twenty chain rasps in a weekend. I'd imagine. Thing is, once you once you get your technique down as well, isn't it? If it's the first time you're doing something like that with your spray cans, once you sort of get your eye in with it, then you can almost yeah. do the whole army in one sitting, can't you? Of the basic stuff. Yeah. You, know, you can sort of in, in one weekend you could get all the sort of zenithal spray work done on pretty much every single model and then just go back and detail yeah. bits and bobs. Yeah, so it's um yeah, quite tempted. So we'll see. We'll see. Good. Good. Awesome. Yeah. And what are your plans for the you mentioned about the Shades Bio models, what's your plans for the Skelly Bobs? Um I'm not sure. I've just built them. Um I'm going to undercoat them, see what takes my fancy. Um, I'm either going to do them, I've got a um, death army already, so I'm either going to do it with the same recipes as that to map them in, mm-hmm. or just go a bit um, off-piste and just do what I fancy, no no particular plan, and just see what happens. Fair enough. I might um, paint up gradually all the Shade Spire bands and just do them as standalone things, right. just, as a, just as a break from doing army in. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea. Um, you're not tempted to get a, a warband done for um, for Blackout, which is Chris Tomlin's um, AOS event in uh, in a few weeks' time in Cardiff on the Friday. He's actually got a free. So um, the Shadespire events have like a like a pack that come from GW with like deck boxes and proper glass trophies and all this. He's actually doing a free entry event on the Friday for Shadespire. You're not tempted to get a get a warband painted up for that. Um, I've got two. I've oh, got the I've oh, got yes, the starter set bands. So I've got I've got 
uh, Rob and I played a game and ages ago, and we just didn't understand it, and it's been in the box ever Same since. So that means so you get yeah, that was, get well, that was weird. That was that night. Were you? Drunk? Yeah, I think. Yes. Modern <laughs> <laughs> factor. Saying that, me, me and yeah. Jen played it while drinking cheap cocktails in Jamaica. So, nice. nice. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, nice. So, interesting you say about Ninth Horn. Um, so it took me by surprise, but um, Jen, my wife, has as ghosts do. Yeah, normally. <laughs> 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 um, she's finally gone. Did she have like a big sheet on with like eyes? Eye holes <laughs> no, no, no. It, it kind of she was burning across at the time, though. It was a bit weird. Oh, um, and um, so. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? They're having a resurgence in the US. It's fine. Um, it's a topic of interest. Um, so, yeah, she's gone full hobby wanker and she's actually painting her own army. Um, cool. So I shared some of the kind of the, the pre-release photos um, for all the Night Haunt stuff. She liked it. Um, and by combining a couple of the, the box sets, the, the core sets, and people who didn't want to use the Night Haunts, basically put together a 2,000-point army. Um, the only extra thing she's had to add to that is um, she bought Lady Orlando. Um, and the one box of the easy-to-build um, horse bros, whatever they're called, Reavers or something, um, and the box of the Banshees. Um, so pretty legit. She spent like 100 quid on it, which is awesome, and initially started off um, uh, with kind of getting that painted. And you mentioned about the, the technical paints. Which one did you use, in? Did you use the Nighthawk Blue uh... or the other one? The green one is that night on gloom yeah i think that's the one so yeah she actually started painting these at boss fest which we'll, we'll, we'll cover boss fest in more detail in a minute um and we bought the night horn gloom but it didn't work really weirdly it basically she zenithaled i should have to zenithal um undercoat she put the gloom over the top let it dry and it was dry and when we went to dry brush it just all came off it's weird. Really weird. So she's got one banshee with a bold head at the moment. So, um, so we kind of scrapped that plan, and um, she's actually gone for a pink scheme. So she's actually washed, washed them all with um, with foreground pink, um, and started dry brushing up. So it's, it's you know it's nothing particularly technical, but it is her army that she wants to do. She's got a big push to take it to blackout. She's adamant she wants to get it all painted. So even today, I came home and she was sat beavering away at one of my my desks in my hobby room getting this stuff all painted which is which is really awesome to see someone kind of go from playing the game to actually wanting to do their own army but also pushing themselves to get it done for a tournament deadline which of course us three know nothing about we've never been like that we've never used tournament deadlines to get stuff painted um so yeah it's been it's been really really interesting for me we've got to think about basing soon she wants to do snow with purple tufts so there's a few things we can try on that um, but yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting process to kind of see her get involved. And I know some people I've talked about the gaming on Twitter a bit this week, um, and a couple of people have said it would be interesting to get her on to get her her approach to to these things, so painting and uh, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> as much as you kind of would be cool I mean we got married in Vegas because Jen doesn't like being well we both actually really don't like being the centre of attention but her particularly because she didn't want a big white wedding so uh, we got married in Vegas to have as few people as possible so it's the idea of going on the podcast probably probably not going to happen 
That's a shame. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's no. And we're married. We'll probably just end up arguing anyway. Yeah, it'd be a treat for the listeners. Yeah. Um, and also, because yeah. this weather, I've got, I've, I've added up. I've gone through over forty pounds worth of paint. Has dried, has dried up because of this weather. Horrific, absolutely horrific. And I mean, literally, like desiccated remains. Like, you know, when they've opened that coffin in Egypt, you know, it was like the soupy red mix in this black coffin yeah. with a couple of skulls floating around in it. I actually wish my paint looked like that because I feel like that's where all the liquid went. <laughs> pretty sure that's it i think if you check chemically that is the liquid from most of my gw but yeah it's so hot it's just evaporated so what happened in egypt did you not, find, did you not, did you not hear in the news they found this this unmarked massive like oh was that a coffin. big like sarcophagus like yeah. 2001 ad type thing yeah. yeah never been opened undisturbed popped it open there's a couple of a couple of random skeletons in there and sewage basically i thought there was i thought there was a um like a, vial, a couple of vials or a bottle of red liquid, and about 20,000 people have volunteered to drink it. Yes, yes, I saw that. Brilliant. Let, yeah. let, let them drink it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign, sign this, go ahead. Uh, anyway, go off, going off on a tangent. Um, what I did want to say about the podcast as well is we did do an announcement um, earlier this week, so thank you to our listeners. It genuine is heart, heartfelt thanks. We have... We have very comfortably broken um, 10,000 downloads. So that's not per episode. That would be amazing and probably make us one of the most popular podcasts on the Wargaming scene. A couple of people did ask, but, um, you know, it, it, it's fantastic for us. It's, it's becoming more popular, which is great. So, you know, please do, you know, keep sharing us with your friends. You know, we, we don't care. We'll sleep around with anybody. Um, you know, and it, when we... We don't just want to be here like talking about painting. We're, we're hoping we're talking about it in a way that uh, that appeals to all levels. You know, all sorts of different approaches. So if people are new and you know them, you know, get, get them to listen to the podcast. We, you know, we'd love to have them as listeners. Um, and to the point that it's pushed us now, where we're actually getting not far off two thousand downloads on average a month. So, yeah, thanks, thanks so much, guys, for listening. You, you, you know, seeing stuff like that is what makes us kind of pushes that a little bit further to to kind of record more more episodes and keep the content good and keep it fresh in our minds so um so thank you for that and um, i will be closing down the uh, uh the um the patron uh website soon um because people have supported us with that which is great um but realistically we just don't have time to kind of provide any additional kind of features and episodes and and, and things for people so I think that the best thing for us to do is just kind of wind that down a little bit. And, um, you know, we've got Curtin supporting us in, you know, in the future as we go forward. That seems to be a relationship that's that's working well and they're supporting us with bits and bobs to make sure we keep ourselves up to date with what we're doing. So, again, thank you guys all make this possible by listening to this. So, you know, thank, thanks a million. You're worthy of a little round of applause. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of going back to the, the the meat of it my my own hobby recently has been um um kind of dialed back a little bit i mean i've we've finished um from ember to inferno firestorm campaign that's done um it's almost inches done but um with the release i don't know if you guys saw this but with the release of um the new version of aos and um i've wanted to paint a curse thing for a long time it's just one of those models i haven't got in my army 
yeah. and then with AOS coming out, he's pretty good. So I thought, well, pro- probably a good time to pick one up and paint it, I expect, um, particularly to use a blackout as well. Um, so I got him painted up the other day, um, used the same kind of colours uh, as I have for the rest of the army. Um, it reinforced my hatred, my absolute hatred of painting fine cast. Um, yeah. You just, he is a fine cast only model. So there is, you know, I've tried to hide it as best I can, but like he's got a big spike on his shoulder and there's a mould slip all the way down the oh. middle on the outside of the spike and there's nothing you can do it literally nothing you can do about it if i try and file it down on either side it just ruins the shape i, I started and went, i have to stop and then even on painting the model and then you just come across one of those i don't know if you've had it those little supports and there's like yeah. there's a little support a tiny one just under the neck of the the little craven homunculus on his shoulder and i'm like I, I literally nothing I can do about it now. I just need to paint it. So I just painted it like part of his neck. So I hate that. Um, it was supplied without an arm. Didn't have the flare arm. So I used an acolyte arm on there. Uh, Clean that up. Green stuff that on. So it looks pretty legit. And he's got an awesome sword. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's almost like a, like a mini, just above the hilt. It's like a mini chaos portal. Yeah, uh, it looks kind of. Is it? Is it really flimsy? Yeah, it's like it's yeah. insanely flimsy because it's tiny amounts of detail holding yeah. it together. So I got it and I was just like, yeah, no, that's, that's not. So I packed that off and he's got another Zinch sword on. So I've got him finished up. Um, and other than being what he is, you know, he, he's he's a nice enough model, um, you know, for, for fine cast with all the usual issues. Um, and of course, the, I get him finished on Monday. What happens? He release the FAQs and they make him worse. But kind of a double-edged sword really because basically pre the new faqs um it meant that he's got an ability called vessel of chaos so if he stops a spell if he dispels it he can then cast it for free back at your opponent um and there was no reason why that wouldn't work with endless spells so someone tries to purple sun you and you're like uh uh, no not having that you stop it with your destiny dies you cast it right back at him again but now they've faq'd it so you can't do it on their spells which is uh which is a bit of a shame. And, of course, they have to release that the day after. But I still think he's good enough to use, to be honest. Yeah. Can you... Is it that if you have if you've paid the points for one of the endless spells, you can yeah. cast it back straight away? Yeah, basically any... There's a general FAQ so that... And, and this is... So the one thing that, that still frustrates me is that they're separating things and trying to cover different types of play in like different documents and it just causes confusion so for example in the zinch um designer's commentary it says there's a question saying can the cursling use his ability to cast down the spells the answer is yes yes he can however you then read the malign sorcery faq and in there it says if an if uh, something has the ability to learn and then you know recast an endless spell, can they do so if you've not paid points for it in your list? And the answer is no. You need to pay points for you for it in your list. So it's just a bit confusing, really. Um, they could have just said no in the other FAQ, but 
Yeah, that isn't the route they've gone down. So anyway, uh, so that that's what that is. So um, Accursing, he's going to be quite popular in Zinch armies anyway. He's an awesome model. There's a lot of people out there converting them. Um, I've seen some quite nice ones using like a just a general kind of Liberator Stormcast kind of lower torso. Um, ghoul, like a ghoul is the, the basis for like the, the homunculus and a combination of different bits to kind of build build the rest out of. And those all seem pretty cool. So hopefully we'll see more of those about. And I do like it when a new edition comes out and you start seeing things that, you know, you don't, you know, you don't really see that often before. I mean, you definitely. Yeah. I think I played Nico at the last Blackout, and he had a Cursling. Other than that, no, have never seen it. Um. So really, for my main hobby, that's really been it. But there's something super exciting happening early next year, uh, which is Paul Buckler, who we've had home before. Um, he's recently run the Dogs Invitational uh, and he's decided he wants to do a narrative event. So he's running it in February next year, but he's got a completely unique take on this. So he's going so far with the narrative in that you can choose to be a player with an army or you can be a, a, a games master for the, for the games that actually be happening. And if you're a player for the armies, you have to tell him the three armies that you would like to do and he chooses one, and he writes your list, which I think is pretty awesome. So I've basically got until February to write a list of models that he's done for me. Um, it's not a 2,000-point army. It's just over 1,500 in points, but it's kind of narrative, so it doesn't matter. Um, and I'm, I'm finally going to do my Daughters of Cain. Oh, nice. Um, and I'm going to do um, a snake theme. So it's going to be... I've, all, I've also got to build a dungeon. I kind of volunteered, don't know why, but dungeons are cool, right? Um, yeah. I'm doing a, a, a Conan the Barbarian, i.e. the Arnold oh. Schwarzenegger movies, Temple of Set. Yeah. So Court of Set. Um, so I've got cool things like he's given me... In, in the compendium, there's rules for celestial swarms, which is like the old snake swarms. Yeah. So I've got those in my list, and I'm going to use um, the snakes from the Bastillodon. That's like those. Good choice. Yeah, that was quite cool. Um, obviously, I'll have some of the, the Blood Sisters, uh, the Stalkers uh, in there, a couple of units of those. Um, we've amended the rules. I wanted some um, statues for the dungeon. But, of course, if you go like the temple route, there's not really... Because there's no witch elves or anything in the list. So what we've done, we've decided that the Medusa they, and the and the Bloodrack Shrine can use the prayer to animate the statues. So I've got two avatars of Cain. Um, and what I've used the avatars of Cain to go with the snake theme is that Mercia do some amazing like female snake warriors. Yeah. Like, is it the, they call it the Gorgon range? I can't remember now. Are they... They're Cthones. Uh, Cthones, I said, yeah. Cthones. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm going to go with Cthones. Um, so, I've got, yeah, I've got two of those, the kind of the more imposing-looking ones um, to use as um, avatars of Cain. Um, and I've also decided that Bloodrat Blood, Shrines are cool, but what would be cooler, having watched the original Conan movie? Just a massive snake. So, <laughs> I've, I've again, merged do this humongous snake model, which I'm going to be using as a Bloodrat Shrine as well. So... That's awesome. Um, and we've basically got a chat of all these people with all these different armies. And I don't want to kind of cover what other people are doing because it's, it's their kind of little projects. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting dynamic where people have been told what they need to paint and build. And people are just going with this, going with this theme and 
building kind of their own backstory to this and uh, there's some awesome stuff going on particularly uh, chris tomlin's um, keep an eye out on that i won't give it too much of a teaser away but if you ever enjoyed dino riders as a kid um you're in, you're in for a winner on that one um and he's he is also he has mentioned as well that he is looking for um games masters to run the games on the tables so if either of you would be interested and that goes to any listeners if you're listening to this can you know what that sounds pretty awesome do um hit us up you can let us know um we've you can just do it on twitter or email in but also if you go on the the grand alliance forum um he's got his his post is up on there and it's called fate of sigma is the name of the event so let him know if you'd be interested in coming down to the deepest darkest dorset and uh, gming some narrative gaming there's some a bit different yeah. Um, Have you any thoughts of the colour scheme yet, Matt? Yes. So um, I've, I'm literally, no word of a lie, I've sat here staring at this unpainted, assembled uh, Bloodstalker going, oh, I really want to get it painted. Um, so while looking through the book, um, I really liked the green, like the very, very snaky, very green um, for, yeah. for the kind of snake parts, which actually I haven't really seen on the armies people have done because they've all kind of gone for different colors um just to kind of be a bit different so it's almost doing something that you would think is standard it almost makes it stand out if that makes sense so i want to go for a green green snake very black armor very black very minimal almost literally one piece literally not even thinking of picking out the trim and then red is the spot color so really dark armor that's that's the idea behind it anyway um actually saying that i haven't really thought about the color of the skin i'll have oh whatever i'll i might even do that green as well do that an off green color i guess um but yeah that's the overall uh thought for the army basing wise they will be on like temple uh or dungeon bases to fit in with the dungeon that i'll build so i'm not quite sure what i'm going to do on those yet yeah maybe the um the aiden flesh colors for the skin because they got like a greeny tinge to them i feel like they've got more of a bluey tinge do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think they're more greeny personally, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. For me, they seem more bluey, but maybe that's just maybe that's just me. I'm literally thinking of going for quite a kind of a vivid green. I might even paint it Rakarth and wash it like Waywatcher or something. Uh, again, makes it look quite different, I guess. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll share some working progresses of those. Um, and, and on that note, as well, going forward, there's going to be a redesign of the websites and everything. So I do want um, it's great recording the podcast, but I think there's some great information that we do that I'd like to get out in the public domain. And it reminded me when uh, a good friend Donal messaged me earlier saying, "You've not. What, can you please tell me what makeup brushes are good in the UK? Um, what plastic glues should I be picking up?" and um what kind of milliput should i use uh, and it's all stuff we've, we've spoken about on the podcast but if you're sat there and you're about to buy something we haven't got the information available so there's going to be the next couple of months a redesign of the how we host information online um, so there'll be kind of a new website that will go in line with the propane studios which will be selling the tokens the gaming aids and the merch and then also there'll be a lot of less kind of being a blog post format and more just information people can read through um we'll have the old blog posts on there so it just makes it more of like a information database for the future if that makes sense um and i'll try and keep that updated with like lighting and you know recommendations for lights and stuff off ebay and make sure the links all work and the pricing is kind of accurate etc etc so i think that'd be quite a cool thing to have going forward while um sounds good sounds like a good idea yep 
I, I think so. I think so too. Um, and also what I'd say is uh, people are sending me in results um, somewhat regularly for events for the Pro Painted rankings. There's an update going out soon. Um, I'm actually just waiting for confirmation of Throne of Skulls, which was last weekend, um, because Games Workshop will, I don't know, it frustrates me no end. They won't give me the names um, for the people who were nominated. Um, they just say, look at Facebook. And then the Facebook isn't isn't succinctly updated. Uh, it's almost a week now, and the information is not online. It's just got photos of models. So if anyone was at Throne of Skulls, um, I've got the name of the winner and a couple of the chaps on there. So I think it's Brad Glover um, and Matt Garside with two of the nominations. So if anyone else knows any of the nominations, if you can let me know on Twitter, that'd be brilliant. I can get that all updated. Um, but in addition to that, if you're listening and you've had any narrative events, you've had any one-day skirmish events, etc., etc., we will take all those results. I want as many results in there as possible. So do just hit me up on Twitter and get those up. Obviously, all UK-based, and we're looking for winners and nominations. Um, but that's pretty much it for all kind of the, the podcast shenanigans. Um, I think we could take a little break there, and we'll come back in a bit more detail into what we've been up to, and we'll cover some Boss Fest. All right, back in a minute. Uh, welcome back. So, um, Rob, hi. You, hi. So, you want to go into a little bit of detail about your you've re, you've had some things revealed to you. You've been on some adventures, no doubt. And so, <laughs> so first off, we know people want to know how are you getting on with Bellacore? Um, I uh, sound like a bit of a broken record. I, 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 um, I think people I only pro- listen to this podcast and know what is going on with Bellacore. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Pretty much uh, should have the wings done by the end of this week. So I'm um, I've got all the sort of fleshy bits, as it were, pretty much done. There's uh, a few couple of sort of edge, you know, sort of really fine edge highlights I need to do on some of the tears on the wings. But the inner membranes are pretty much done. Obviously, I shared some photos with you and Ian of those, and it was a little bit weird because. You've got, I mean, if people are familiar with the, the Hive Tyrant wings that I've used, they've got kind of like um, like the pull marks on the on the membranes where the sort of the skin is, is tightened around the, the finger area, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and rather than a lot of a lot of GW wing, wings out there, and I think the biggest sort of um, the, the the models that have the most t- sort of in sort of sculpted texture on the membrane, a lot of them have sculpted texture yeah. on the membranes, um, like a Demon Prince kit. I know the um, the wings on the Vargis uh, are really well sort of sculpted, so they, they're a lot easier to paint. Cause you've obviously got a guideline as to as to where to put them. So the the back of the wings, they don't obviously given the, the sort of how the sort of the, the physics of, of of the flesh would be in real life. The back of the wings, the, there isn't really it as many of those kind of things. So the back of the wings, the, I had to kind of almost paint the texture in, um, which which was which was quite laborious. And yes, yeah, so bit... they're a daunting enough area as it is without, I mean, the, the way you've approached them, and obviously people will see this shortly, is it kind of, they look black, which is very difficult 
to achieve and they kind of have that grayish tint to them but they're very cleanly done there's no obvious highlights on them so that that's impressive and of itself it almost gives them like a xenomorph look like from the alien yeah. movies but like and, and that's that's kind of, yeah i mean and and the the sort of the base color for for Bellacore's sort of main body as it were is is the eshing gray um but i wanted to sort of almost use the wings to kind of frame the the miniature um yeah. so I, I deliberately did the wings well they it's 50 50 ashing gray and black um so they're a lot darker but it also means as you said that the any sort of highlights you know you kind of almost want them to be super super crisp um to sort of give that give that sort of definition and um you know with with my uh now famous magnifying glass headwear that i that i got i was you know, very, uh, able to yeah and, and like the, the, i mean to, you know i I'm, I'm sort of there looking at maybe it's just my eyesight but uh, you know looking at people like um you know some of the stuff that you see the gw painters paste post on twitter and you sort of see the close-ups um paul norton's who's got uh, his um got an article in the most recent white dwarf of all his new primaris that he did and like the edge highlighting on like the helmets and stuff it is just bonkers and you can't like again whether it's my eyesight or not i can't see that level of detail i mean i i just can't with my natural eyesight i just couldn't see to be able to do that so whether or not they're all got just got super i mean i've got 2020 vision do you know I mean? i've never needed to wear glasses and my tests have always been good um so either they've got like you know, some sort of implants that GW install once you sort of get from every army painter to every metal painter, or they're all sat there wearing these magnifying goggles. Um, I suspect it's the latter. Uh, but um, it's allowed me to do really fine sort of edge highlighting on the wings and on the sort of fingers of the wings, as, as it were. Um, and, yeah, I'm pretty sort of pleased with the results. The only sort of thing I've got left to do really is... Uh, like I said, a bit of edge highlighting on the on the tears on the membrane, but um, the sort of the, some of the metallics I need to finish off on on the blades on the top on the sort of uppermost parts. Um, one thing going back to what you said about sort of hard, you know sort of seeing the highlights, I use a lot of pho- photographic reference of where the light was hitting it. So some of the highlights are actually. In, de- in decent lighting, it's something that I, you know, we sort of spoke, I spoke about about my previous army. You, know, you sat there painting desk, you got your daylight lamp, and you know, unless you're Ian and you paint in the cave, um, you know, you've got decent lighting. But when you take it to a tournament, you know, the, the lighting isn't so good necessarily. Yeah. Um, but what makes highlights sometimes quite hard to see is it's actually where the light falls. Definitely. So really where you've got the, you, so you've got the light glare almost reflecting off the miniature that's that's where the highlights a lot of the highlights are so it's, you sort of it almost tricks you is that a highlight or is that just natural lighting i yeah, just I think it, that helps I think make it pop yeah especially with the type of the surface that you're doing on like a wing membrane it's such yeah. a big flat area you can afford to be a lot more subtle with the highlight because it will reflect more light yeah. So, so you don't have to be as push the contrast as much. Yeah. Just the same. More, I mean, on, on, on the bits that have been highlighted, you know, I've gone right up to sort of Ministratum Grey, which is 
the barring sort of Hawthorne grey is, is as grey is as white as you can get a grey, pretty much. So and there, there's some, I, you know, I as I said, I, I I did it on the um on the orb, but I've I've kind of done it on some of the sort of points where there's you know it's very much a sort of a GW style these days, especially on things like Space Marines and that. But where you've got sort of two intersecting line highlights is to put like a little dot of white like a tiny you know a tiny tiny dot of white which is probably what as you mentioned gives it that kind of almost xenomorph alien kind of look because it kind of gives it that reflect almost like a sort of that shiny appearance yeah um so you know i'm, I'm, I'm sort of pleased how it's come along and i'm really trying to trying to push and as i said but as i said all along you know really taking on board the um sort of the, the feedback and stuff that I've had on, on sort of previous miniatures and that. So it's come around, you know, I'm getting to the point now with the wings where I'm sort of, you, know, you can see the end, like the end of the tunnel and it's really spurring me on so I can get cracking on some other elements, you know, I really want to start painting the um, sort of the armour and uh, I want to, I mean, and again, something I want to do with the metallics. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, it's something that a lot of painters do on, you know, when they're doing true metallic metals or even non-metallic metals, it's almost like, um, I don't know whether to do it or not. I'm actually going to ask you guys for an advice and sort of get perhaps some listener sort of feedback on it. But when you see on some true metallic metals, almost people like painting like fine, like tiny little scratch marks and stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sort of like sort of crisscrossy kind of, just I'm not overdoing it, but almost like sort of, yeah. And I, I, I sort of thought, well, there's the metallic bits on like the crowns or like, the crown bits kind of, I didn't really want to do it on that because it, it kind of, you know, it's, it's crown and all the rest of it, but especially the talons on the wings, you'd kind of imagine them to be a bit sort of dinged up a little bit. And I mean, he is a demon, so I, 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 I don't know how that would really work now. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Just give it that extra effect. And it's going back to what Byron mentioned in his, in his talk at the last face hammer was having those kind of little sort of, crisscrosses or hatches on um, on those sort of blended areas trick the eye into thinking the blends are better than perhaps they are so yeah. it, it kind of you know it sort of gives a focal point and you just kind of see it you, you don't see the blend underneath and that's not to say the blends aren't good because I've, I've taken quite, sort of uh, taken quite a bit of time and I think they're looking good but I think just giving that extra level of sort of detail and texture and sort of almost that interest point where people look at it and go well you know it's not just been blended it's been you know, there's some extra time being spent on that so it's definitely something that i was going to look to do on the the bigger armor panels on his shoulders just um i've got a black mix that i've pre-done which is uh, another sort of tip i took from um some of the uh, tutorials that i've seen online but it's to, to do a black armor um but it's 50 50 like a cantor blue like a deep royal blue and black right um as a, as a mix yeah. so that you can actually shade it um, and give yeah. it a, give it a bit of definition and also allow them to sort of draw in those little black lines that will sort of represent little chips or little sort of scratch marks on the armor and then you can obviously look put a little bit of highlight of like a lighter gray underneath to give give the armor the depth and texture as well yeah, it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting point. Sorry to toy to butt in because we do, always, no, no. particularly with black, you do always go that way, don't you? You think, right, I need to paint black, so I'll start with black and I highlight it up. But there is, yeah. there is definitely 
something to be said for this idea of making it a shadable colour. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, to be honest, I, I genuinely, until you said that, I hadn't really kind of thought about it. I'm definitely going to try that yeah. in the future. I mean, it's, um, there's a blog online, uh, Taylor Four Painters. Yes. Um, and one, it was a, uh, it was a heavy metal seminar that one of the guys went to, like years ago. So it's not sort of the most recent techniques, but it still sort of holds true. And a lot of figures that they re- referenced were, you know, we consider sort of up to date sort of fig, um, figures and they were talking about how I think they used um, I think it might have been one of the Raven Wing stuff when the you know in Dark Vengeance came out uh, the 40k box set the one before last about how they paint their black and it was you know it was 50-50 blue and and, and black and then you obviously let you know and they sort of, you can almost glaze the panels then down you know get that sort of fade going to black and then you can sort of, you know, Eschen Grey or Thunderhawk Blue or whatever you want to use for the, or Rusk, you know, like the Space Wolf colours are quite good for edge highlighting the black. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, just getting on to, you know, the wings were probably the big, apart from the base, they were the biggest part of the model that's going to sort of require a singular approach. So I'm glad that that's kind of over because a lot, I think everything now is going to seem to be a lot quicker to finish. And then because they are such big areas, but they're double-sided as well, they're mm-hmm. a big task, like you say, but also they're quite kind of boring. Um, yeah. Like to paint, I always get bored with wings. I do I do two sides and I'm like, right, I'm done. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'll do the other side. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then that's, you know, then it was kind of, you know, I kept it quite, you know, like I said, a, a different approach with the, the, the textures and stuff and it has been quite interesting to, and and you know a challenge and I've, I've kind of sort of thrown myself into you know i've always kind of thought oh i could do this i do that and i've actually thought sort of thought sod it i'll just i'll just crack on and see what you know what's the worst that can happen i just have to under you know sort of base coat it again and go back to it you know it's not yeah. you're not sort of physically you know i'm not dremeling a section of the wing again and having to re-sculpt it like i did foolishly <laughs> to begin with um it's just paint so you know it's a bit more of a measured approach but i think they're looking good and i'm pretty happy with how the sort of metallics have come out i um i really painted the orb uh, based on uh some feedback that i had of it and sort of on on sort of reflection you know could sort of see where it went and sort of looked at a lot of source material as well sort of other sort of um examples of the same kind of technique and uh yeah, kind of redid that, and I'm quite happy with that. How that turned out, obviously shared that with you guys, and again, sort of pushed the, you know, with the finer highlights that I'm able to do with using the magnifying glass sort of eye headwear, um, you know, be able to do sort of finer highlights and sort of sort of hot spots as it were in the in the highlights and and things like that. And I think that's come out quite good. There's one sort of angle of it that I'm particularly proud of. I think it looks very which makes it the, the, the you know when you get like a highlight spot on in the right area and it just makes that sort of section really sort of pop it almost makes it look like a jewel do you know what i mean when you're looking at it i'm, I'm quite sort of happy with that so yeah he's, he's coming on but um as always there's always a another sort of project to kind of sort of to, you can think about that sort of spurs you on whilst you're doing what you're doing and that's kind of what i wanted to talk about so i don't know if you want to uh do your boss fest stuff and then I can come back to it or you want me to crack sure. on with it now? 
Well, as an interesting note as well, uh, both me and Ian did consider constantly giving you some form of criticism on the orb so, <laughs> so that you never finish the model, but Bellicor would never be done because you keep going back to it and repainting it. Yeah, well, that was, I mean, the, the, uh, it was uh, it was good because he, he, uh, Ian was down lots of, uh, as he was passing through back from Bosfest. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's always good to, I guess, to sort of have a look at these things sort of firsthand and, you know, it's all very well sort of in pictures, but until you actually see something up close, um, and he seemed to, he seemed to like it. So yeah, that was a yeah. Thankfully, he hadn't gone down that route, yeah. which driven me insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> You're tempting, was it? You're it was tempting. It was tempting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to put well, you. Do you know what? I I I, I there was a point where, and it was. Um, I actually, it was with the, seeing a lot of the new Nighthaunt stuff and yeah. the effect, especially uh, a shout out to Tyler Mangle, his lovely Nighthaunt models that, you know, that he's obviously been working on before the release and the new stuff that he's come out. Some of the sort of the glow effects that he's managed to get off some of the smoke, or, you know, you sort of going more going down the warp stone green kind of, that that kind of bright green look. Um, I was sort of looking at it thinking, oh, that would... That would actually look that would actually look quite cool on the orb, but then I thought it would actually tie it would sort of tie too much in. There's going to be a lot of Nighthorn stuff out probably by the time Bellicor sort of done and dusted. I didn't really, you know, I, I thought keeping the um, sort of Cabalite Incubi Darkness kind of uh, up to Cyberite Green kind of colours sort of worked better. And you know, if I had decided to do the orb a different colour. It would have meant dismantling the base yeah. and redoing all the energy trails on the base to match because they're all in that same colour as the orb. And I probably would have done it if I, but I, if that, if if the uh, if it hadn't come out as nice as uh, as I think it has, that was definitely something that I was considering. But that would have probably push the project back by another month or two. So I thought better of it. See Ian's token ambulance in the background there? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it yeah. is. Yeah. Sort of stuck, stuck with the colourway and things come out well. And, yeah, just, uh, I said, I'll, I'll go into some thoughts on, I think we can tie it into what we're sort of looking forward to with AOS 2 now that the dust is seemingly settled with the FAQs and some of the things that Games Workshop have come out and addressed. Um, I can probably go into what i sort of got going forward when we talk about that, I guess. Awesome. Um, cool. So yeah, well let's because I think it deserves um, a bit of coverage. Um, and me and Ian were there, so we really must mention Boss Fest. So Scott Lines, formerly of the Black Sun podcast, now of his own self 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 name self nickname wanker um, business, he's now calling himself Boss Minis. Um, after nicknaming himself the boss, um, he does a once a year event um, in my literal neck of the woods. It's Wool, um, just over an hour's drive from me. He basically owns, I don't know if he owns it, but he puts it on in a glade in the forest. Um, and this year he had two massive, great kind of pavilion scout tents um, all set up. Obviously, <laughs> I just got a vision, sorry, I just got a vision of like. He just he's just managed he's like he had his wedding there. Like, <laughs> this is like the fourth boss fest, and 
he, he just he's like managed to blag it and like sort of come <laughs> boss fest six or so, six or something and all be sat there pissed up at night and it's like fucking helicopters will appear overhead and it's like a raid yeah just pulling you know, down the bushes you know tranking d's as he tries to run away <laughs> tranking d's <laughs> you run your arm run <laughs> Like a scene from fucking Jurassic World, isn't it? You're fucking mental. Awesome. Um, yeah. So anyway, you basically... just lure him into the woods with just chucking zinger burgers, like a trail of zinger burgers, <laughs> leading to these. Where are you off to? Oh, mum, 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 and he just hits the ground. Like <laughs> he literally is anyway. one of those people where if you if you had like a hundred burgers and you placed them out in a line, he would just follow the line. Doesn't matter where it went, he would just follow that line. Just um, um, um. I did want to, um, because obviously I've got this laser engraving machine. I was really tempted to take uh, the 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 Jaws um, endless spell, but instead do a like a laser cut template of just Diesel chomping. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that'll get down very well, so I, I, I've decided against that. Um, but anyway, Boss Fest. So it was it's held in July. Um, and it actually kind of starts on a th- on the Thursday night. He sets up during Thursday daytime. Um, so when you pay your ticket price, so this year, for example, for it's fifty pound a ticket. Um, it's probably going to be about that next year. Um, but for a couple, so Jen comes with me. That was eighty quid, which is pretty legit. Um, you get to pitch up your tent. Um, you get food uh, provided for the Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he does you bacon sandwiches in the mornings, cup of tea or coffee. Um, so you get all that inv- it kind of included in what you're paying. Um, but in of itself, like the event is on for the Friday and the Saturday and the Sunday. And actually for next year, because people also camp over on the Sunday, I'm me and Jen are both going to book the Thursday and the Sunday off. So, like, so we've got the whole Boss Fest experience. And it's just literally loads of people playing games, chilling out, drinking, dicking about. Um, in a field for a weekend it's like a free flow tournament almost um but what he's also putting on he does like he had uh, friday night magic so it's a couple of local guys who play magic and a few of the attendees playing magic the gathering on the friday uh he ran a shades by a tournament um obviously there was loads of aos going on um board games i run a continuing kingdom death monster campaign which which i started last year um so I can't inc- when when people see that he starts advertising Boss Fest, really encourage people to go. It genuinely is the best experience for an organised event I have. Um, like for for like the hobby scene, for me it's almost like uh, like a convention. It's probably what people who go to Gen Con and stuff and Adepticon feel like. Like that's how I feel about Boss Fest. I don't, obviously, you've both been and Ian, you were here this year. So would you agree? What are your thoughts around Boss Fest? Yeah, I totally agree. It's on because you, it's people playing all sorts of games, so it's not just one system. Um, so you just pot in and out, go and have a look at somebody playing Infinity, have a look at somebody playing Legion, um, Star Wars, watching Star, Star Wars Legion. Everyone's yeah. loving Star Wars. Um, so it's kind of it's very, it's so it's just laid back. It's like no other event, um, and I'd heartily recommend it. Yes. And, so definitely, if you do, if you're listening to this and you know us and you trust us, buy a ticket for Boss Fest when you see it come up next year. Um, so I got to, we actually, me and Ian have an interesting um, AOS history in that I won um, the first Age of Santa in Cardiff. Okay. Yeah. And uh, out of the five games I've played, you were the only person I didn't beat. 
Look, he did beat me. He only had a minor, though. Uh, no, it was a draw. You sure? 100% because we were playing knife to the heart and you can't get a minor win in that. All right. You then, were, you yeah. were a proper jammy, gamey bastard and kept putting all your Nurgle models on your objective so I couldn't possibly win. Shocking behaviour. Couldn't yeah. table you. Um, so we actually had we had a, a refight. So we've played the, we have now played the... Uh, uh, the new AOS rules. Um, yeah. You were actually my first game. Uh, yeah, I think you were my first game of AOS. No, second. Second. I played Ben Smith. Um, and how, how did you find how, how did you find the game having played the last edition? What, what were your thoughts around it? Um, oh, it's essentially the same, isn't it? To be fair. I think it really yeah, is. It's yeah. It's, it didn't seem like I was learning a new game. No. So it's continuation. And we did um, play the realm rules, didn't we? And we played the spells, which obviously I made loads of use of. Yeah, and did, did we do endless spells as well? Well, I had some. I had the mirrors, umbral yeah. spell mirrors, which weren't really that useful. Um, but we played one of the new scenarios where yes. there's four objectives. You have two in each half, and you can hold them to score points. And the longer you hold them, the more points you get, or you can just burn them. Yeah. So what did you do when we played? So I took the first turn and went full aggro, charged forward, um, took off a unit of your pink harvest with Gordrak, who's sitting yeah. on one of your objectives, and um, I just burnt all mine in the first turn yeah. and um, just put you under pressure. Yes, it was really interesting to see. I literally was like, oh, this should be all right. Zinch gets die on yours. Oh, shit, you're three up on victory points, and I've only got one objective, and your whole army's going to fight me. So um, we won't go into the game too much detail, but uh, I, I did eke out the win in the end. But it was it, yeah. properly on the back foot, so I was well, in, well impressed in that kind of game balance. Yeah, you could tell you were a little bit panicked. I was. What's going on? I can't lose to Ian Gilmore. I, this, uh, this can't happen. Yeah, so, it's um, good. Yeah, it was, and it was obviously really enjoyable. Um, and I enjoyed the thing is though, what I'm find what I found is that um, I play Zinch, who are good with spells, um, and having a free spell law my wizards can cast. Okay, sweet, thanks. Um, enjoy that. Um, so I was running around with Skyfires and Enlightened, which had like plus one damage on all their attacks and plus one to wound and charge. It's like, yeah, this, this is pretty good. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it definitely just felt like AOS. Other than those little things, it just felt like AOS, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Totally. Yeah, it's brilliant. The, what I, the other thing I've learned about um, AOS, which um, from Boss First Weekend, is that um, Foot of Gork... Classed it three times in two games. No, easy. Way. It's, it's easy. Easy. Um, easy. easy. Um, the only bad thing is that the evil genius Paul Buckler dispelled it twice. Oh. You... S- stopped. Stopped it going off. Yeah. So you played quite a few games at Boss Fest, didn't you? I played three games. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah. Because you were there yeah. quite late on the Friday. No, Saturday. Uh, no Friday. 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 Yeah. So I played um, played against Paul Buckland and Zaidnath, who, um, yeah, that's interesting to see them work. And I played against Paddy and his um, Legion and Agash in just a 1,200-point game. Yeah, I, 
Paddy was he was loving that game as well. He wanted me to take photos. He really loved the spectacle of it. He was going full narrative. Yeah, and why his army was there and why they were fighting you and who the bones were from. (laughs) Yeah, loving it. But yeah, it's quite um, the summoning's quite seems potentially quite powerful in some matchups. I love hearing you talk Um, about rules in games. Well, just just mullered you into grave guard and then they just came back you just get a free one <laughs> yeah you see use a cheeky command point and then they go yeah they're just back and then, like, kill, oh. then you kill them again and they just come back again yeah <laughs> yeah so. that's pretty good um how about you rob have you played any games of the new aos yet don't be silly um looking forward to getting five good games in for blackout i'm not playing no, um, and this is a point, point of contention actually on Twitter, um, and obviously it was, it was a subject that was broached before um, uh, a couple of episodes ago, but it seems to be a, a thing where some people still feel that you can use Compendium. I've no, I, no idea. I, I, I don't know. I saw you tweet and I was like, I've, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, yeah. As far as they um, said, some, 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 something about if you you know you, you, if they've got points, you can use them, and as uh, long as they're not superseded by, you know, as long as you as long as you like, if you've got you know, but you can use it, you have to use the most up to date points yeah. that are available for so, something like that in the fact which leads me to believe that because it, it, it relates, I think it was a question that's potentially relating to Forge World stuff, right, and um, but then it didn't say. You can't use Compendium, so until yeah. this sort of Legends thing that they're doing hits, I think it's probably still a go. But to be honest, even even if uh, and because I played the reason I mention it is I, I played um, uh, Tommy B uh, last year uh, with my mixed order list. Um, Chris didn't allow Compendium, yeah. and and kind of like you know my army's kind of playable. Uh, it was kind of playable without it uh, using the Forest Dragon as just the Dragon Lord. Although I, I just didn't know how I thought command, but you couldn't use command abilities on yourself. So I never used like the, his command abilities or make himself reroll hits and or whatever the, the normal Dragon Lord does. Um, so he's a bit pants in that game, in those games. But the uh, the synergy with the you know the whole thing with the Forest Dragon was a synergy with the big unit of six Gurnoth Hunters. And um, yeah, but I mean, I, from a playing perspective, it's, it's something I, I kind of want to. It's not necessarily. It's not from really a playing perspective. It's more from just kind of put that army to bed. Do you know what I mean? As far as you know, I, I, I want my well, the next army that I take somewhere to be a new army, and and, and uh, I shall say now that I, I'll, I'll probably be seeing if I can borrow an army for for Facehammer, just to, and and it'll actually shock horror. I'm going to see if I can borrow a competitive army <gasps> and. Uh, Oh my god! Did you just say the c word? Yeah. Jesus. So um, uh, I think it might. Be some what I might because uh, what I'm going to try and do is uh, obviously get we'll mention it going forward. But the uh, obviously the the counterpoint in my narrative armies is going to be the the good Archeon counting as a Star Drake, and I've, I've Sam Davies helped me with a a list that I can sort of use that is a is quite competitive, but it's still got those narrative elements in it, and. Um, I might see if I can run that out of Facehammer using, you know, seeing if I can borrow someone's army to do so. So 
I've, yeah, I've, see how that goes. I've got Stormcast on me. I'm selling, mate, if you want that. I know, yeah, I did see. <laughs> I'm sure we're kidding stuff. Uh, money's, money's not an object. No, yeah, not at all. No, I can just <laughs> drop 750 quid. It's fine. <laughs> Awesome. Well, no, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that you kind of, you know, I, I think, to be honest, I think it is the right attitude to have in regards to Compendium is if you're thinking about doing match play tournaments and having an army for that, I, yeah, in no way, shape or form can you rely on the Compendium side of things. No. It's just it, it's just worth saving yourself that potential frustration. Um, but, you know, ultimately... So, I, 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 I mean, I think it's because I sort of see the whole. Sorry to interrupt, but I sort of see the whole. You know, like I, I see like the hobby as a whole. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you know, if, if I'm not going to enjoy playing that army, if I have to make concessions or whatever, then you, you almost that sounds sort of too sort of emo, but kind of almost resent that army, and I put so much sort of time and effort into it that I don't want to sort of you know, get bored of it or... No. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to sort of end up like, you know, resent is probably quite a strong word to use for it, but I just, I just don't want it to be like, oh, get, you know, get bored of playing with it and I'd, I'd rather just that sort of chapter's, that chapter's finished, moving on, let's try something else, you know? Yeah, and it's, I do that. That's kind of how I how I tend to see things. You know, I do an army, I do a project and my Cathargal's still sat in a box since... February this year it's not been out for four months odd um yeah. you know it, it it does happen um to go slightly back onto onto topic a bit obviously we talked about general aos there um just a final word so on boss fest cannot encourage you to go enough we'd love to see our listeners there um obviously Going next year yeah and the dates for next year are already uh, have been announced it's the 11th to the 15th of july um stay in contact cool. with us if you're interested um or just keep your eyes open for boss fest on twitter um but yeah, I mean, it seems. I think AOS at the moment is in a. It's, it, I, I'm getting. I'm a bit up and down with it. I'm a bit frustrated with it from the rules perspective. I, I do kind of get annoyed with things when they announce it. I think the new batch of FAQs have done is great. They've they've done some good changes, but it does. From my perspective, it's. I, I do find it frustrating that, like I said, you know, I'm trying to get Jen. Well, Jen is learning the game. And one of the things I've one of the things I want to want to share um, that I, that I've learned is that her basically one of her drives one of her biggest fears really for games is she really worries about giving her opponent a bad game because of her knowledge of the game. That's yeah, like her I, I can, biggest I can totally fear. Identify with that. Yeah, which I I you know I genuinely had never ever thought like that ever thought that would be a concern so she's worried about not knowing the game well enough and that's a genuine concern and i i do i do really kind of i do really understand that so where you know aos has only just come out we've got all these sweet endless spells and like two of the two or three of the endless spells have already been faq'd through a separate document changing the rules again it's a really hard thing to kind of explain to new players again oh yeah no that is the new rules that just came out a few weeks ago but that's not the actual rules for them. They've changed them. Now they do this. It's a really hard thing to get across. And it, it actually, like, if it wasn't for Jen playing the game, I probably I wouldn't be bothered. It would not matter even in the slightest. But now she does. I'm like, this is like this is more of an issue than you know than is just being made of. And 
I don't know if you remember this, but we used to have this with eight, uh, eighth edition. I always used to remember it. Is people used to, remember people used to make those FAQ stickers? Yeah. 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 Remember those? I almost think yeah. like GW need to produce those now. Like you can pop into a local GW and just in a little a little thing on the desk there'll be the FAQ stickers. So you just take them home, put them in your rule book because that for people like Jen is perfect because it's there in black and white. It's in the rules. She doesn't have to look at another document. It'd be something quite easy to actually mouth. I mean, I know we shouldn't have to, but be that, but that's actually not a bad idea. It's quite. Yeah. A, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it to my core rule. You know, it's a little bit more of a collector in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I can see definitely. I think that's where something. I, I don't know if they do, and apologies uh, in advance if I, if I, if I'm wrong on this. But you know, I think um, it goes back to. I, you know, I always said when that, when with the advent of digital codexes and army books, that you should get some sort of QI code, or QR code rather, or. Um, some sort of, you know, the, the you go and buy the battle tome from wherever. Uh, it's in its cellophane. You open up the cellophane, and inside there's a little scratch panel or, you know, a card that's separate, and it's got a little code on it. And you can go and redeem. Um, you know, you can go and redeem the digital copy. Yeah. And even if it's not like, you know, because I know that a lot of the digital copies like interactive, aren't they? You know, mm-hmm. they've got the sort of the artwork, and they've, they've added a lot more into it. It's not just a downloadable PDF. But they could almost do just a downloadable PDF, you know, like a, you know, you could have a stripped down version. Cause you've got, you know, you'll have your, if you want to pay the full whack for the fully interactive thing with all the links and all the, the spinny roundy pictures and, <laughs> you know, all, all the rest of it, then great. But, you know, sort of a, a, just a downloadable PDF of the basic rules that you, you know, or just, a, you know, just a page by page PDF thing of the, of the battle tome. And then that just updates. When facts come out, yeah, well, it's uh, like that, um, you know, I used to work in publishing, and I know how. I mean, Christ, escort is in publishing, mate. Like. <laughs> um, the uh, <laughs> train of thought. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't break the bank. I mean, I guess it. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't necessarily. I, you know, I know about publishing costs and how, how much. You know, it wouldn't break the bank to have a just to have a pamphlet or something that you, do you know what I mean that mm. yeah no you, could, you know you know like even just, like I said an online pdf that you can download as and so it's all in one I mean obviously you've got that as it is and there are people out there I mean I know that um Dan from AOS Shorts did a he's got a pdf compilation isn't he that he's done that's searchable so um he's got it's a one-click pdf link of all the FAQ stuff rather than have it all battle tone and thingy specific and you can type, you know, it's searchable. So that's quite a good resource for stuff like yeah. that. Well, but I, they could I, just do a battle tone. You know? I think as well, like for me, if an, F, an FAQ is a question. Yeah. So how does this it's work? It's not a rata, is it? Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, it's, and I, and I think that, you know, my feedback would be, look, if you are going to make changes, then they, you know, I, I think there needs to be a resource that people can 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 update easily. Um, but so, I mean, the, the the other thing, and just to quickly touch on 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 another, on another point, um, you know, and I think it's interesting. You said it's you know, you've been in, you're, you know, you've you, you know you've got a lot of experience yourself in in tournaments and gaming, and you know you you've you know you've been around that scene for for ages, and you know a lot of people that are, are very successful at it and stuff. And obviously seeing it through a, a newbie's eyes 
and being very close to that, you know, with Jen just sort of starting up, you know, obviously must be quite sort of, you know, it's a completely different take, but yeah, it is. do you think, it really that, is. Do, you, do you think that there's going to be more onus on them? And I, I don't know what the percentages are, but apparently, you know, I've, from what I've always sort of been led to believe it's, you know, tournament gaming, tournament gamers are still a very, very, very small percentage of their customer base as much as they're, sort of doing all this event coverage now, which is, I suspect, you know, why things like this are, you know, the, the FAQs have release schedules and they're a bit more on point with it, where, you know, whereas before they perhaps weren't. Do you still think because of this, you know, the percentage, you know, is there, are we quite a small minority, you know, we're quite a minority as far as our voice and what we as a community want from them in that regard, do you think? Or, do you, you know, are they, are they looking at it and going, well, you know, the, our, our core customer base, you know, this sort of thing isn't a concern for? Well, the thing I would say is that tournament play, so for me, match play isn't just tournament play. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Ma- match play more than anything else allows you to turn up to any game with a framework and allow you to, to play as much as it can be a balanced or fair game because you're you know you're, you're using the same rules um that that's yeah. how i see so matched play for me is that's what it is it's not about tournament games um it's great for tournament games and it's designed with tournament games in mind but match play for me is a level playing as close as it can because it's never going to be we can end up chasing balance like the ninth ages forever and you know they have enough issues with it as it is um it just becomes boring and bland but um you need the variation in there so it's never going to be a level playing field but as much as it can be i know that if it's a match play game i can turn up to a game against somebody and we're 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 singing from the same hymn sheet um and i'm sure the sales of the general's handbook every year will tell us that that's quite a big part of their market because i've no doubt they sell a lot of those books and that isn't just going to be because that also includes the narrative and the path to glory and the opening stuff which obviously is a factor but a lot of people are going to be buying those because they you know points match plays points it tells you how much something costs in comparison to something else which when you want to try and play you know just fairly it really does help um so that that's what i would say to that and i think actually what's happened um most certainly with the way that the faqs are done and i almost feel like uh, because I've got that relationship with Jen and seeing how she views things and the way that she asks questions and she tries to understand things and seeing her like flip through three or four different books at the moment and trying to learn just just to play a game and it is just too much there's there's too much information there and it almost feels like it's been great having all these people um doing the play testing and everything and getting involved with the rules but i almost feel like it's become like there's too much of a focus on that like the way things are done are it really talks about the tournament play which is great but we've lost the clarity and i and I, interestingly i actually said this on the uh mitzi and jimbo show they did at dogger invitation what was your favorite thing about aos and my i said my favorite thing is accessibility I said, it, it means my wife plays. It's brilliant. <clears throat> she really enjoys it. I think that's the best thing for her. The hobby in general is being able to get in and play the game. And by kind of mentioning a couple of these things, things on Twitter, there's already people, meant, you know, there's been quite a few people contact me saying, actually, it's put me off getting back into AOS. And that's the worst thing, sure. Must be. 
people being put off by the game by the amount of documents and things they need to buy to play i don't think it's good yeah yeah i totally agree it's been it's slowly becoming more and more complex but it's it's um it's and the, it's the complex for no reason it's, it's, yeah and it's complexly spread around exactly which do, you is, think, do you think um there's a bit of a theory out there um I mean, it's quite an objective thing. I don't think there's meant to be any kind of sort of negativity about it. It's just a, it's, it just happens to be a theory that, um, and you know, because there was a a little bit of a slip up at, uh, on a certain feed about AOS two, hmm. um, that they they rushed the launch, uh, um, and the and. Uh, I, I, I've heard that Malign Sorcery was meant to have been released in AOS 1 mm. as part of Malign Portance and that was going to lead up to AOS 2 and it was a bit which is why you know like the facts and which why they had the issues with the app to begin with and you know with some of the stuff being out on that um, I th- I, you know I think a more you know if it was just the core rule book and the General's Handbook which you know, it's not that's, that doesn't have to be the core rule, but does it? It can be the the eight pages or whatever it is now. Um, you know, I don't think we'd be having this conversation necessarily. No, I d- I don't feel I don't know if Ian you feel the same. That's the first I've heard that, but I don't know about you, Ian. Do you feel yeah. like it's been rushed? Because I don't. I don't feel like it's been rushed in any way, shape. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I think no. it's more. It's, it's just. It feels to me disparate. I feel like. Um, there's different people doing different things um and it just kind of at the end it doesn't quite come together so things like realm rules which for me initially and i still kind of feel a bit like that i'd like to see some events who don't use the realm rules um you know it almost i'd still feel just in my heart of hearts i feel like they're like a bolt on um and for me it frustrates me that when you talk about realm rules you've got Realm artifacts and command. Uh, oh, sorry, realm artifacts which are in malign sorcery. Yet the realm rules are in the core rules. It it just that's a bit weird. Yeah, you just like that. Yeah, you just like uh huh. It's almost like for me actually. I, I've said this. Like, I think malign sorcery should have been released like a year from now. You know, there's enough. Yeah. There's enough. I get why they've done it now, and it's cool that we're getting faction specific answers. Like all this stuff is awesome. Like as a gamer, as me right now, fine. It's not a problem. I can deal with all of it. I can deal with yeah, the FAQs. Yeah. I can deal with the designer commentaries. For me, it's fine. I still get annoyed by the FAQs where they do stuff like everything's brilliant, and they always have to do one fuck up, like go Wildwood, Sylvan F Wildwood's also block line of sight. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? You act, you've just made them the trolliest army possible. Absolute troll army. Negative. I did, I, you know, that was, army. after seeing that and Stupid. wanting to do a competitive army, it was something that I was like, I, oh, I could paint up a tree lord ancient yeah. or two. And well, I said for finals. I've actually said, you know what? I'm actually considering doing Sylvan F for finals later this year. Then I realised I'd probably have to paint 29 bases of Citadel trees and buy them. So I'm probably <laughs> not going to do that. But stupid stupid change um the simple fact that citadel would block line of sight at all is is 
Just can't you just like plonk, plonk, plonk them down in front of shoot? I mean, like, I was listening to a, a podcast when you and just like magic, anything that you because you can't, you need to be able to draw a line of sight to be able to do most things, don't you? Yeah, anything that arbitrarily, something just having a thing in the game that just arbitrarily just goes blocks line of sight is just crazy. But anyway, that you know, so as a gamer, stuff like that still frustrates me. But I don't I, understand, like, uh, well, one thing, a bit of a disclaimer, I don't understand like we're bashing because I, uh, I think from a sort of model and hobby sort of perspective. It's been a, it's a bit of a cliche and it's been banded around, you know, for the last few years now. But I truly believe that we're in a bit of a golden age now well, as far def- as figure releases and, we definitely and are. The, the attention that's being paid to the game. And, I, you know, I don't want any of our listeners to think that for one second that I'm bashing GW because I'm, I'm one of their biggest fanboys, you know what I mean? I'm self-proclaimed. And, uh, you know, I love all the stuff that they're doing. It's just... Uh, for, do you know what? It's not necessarily for my own... Like and the, the only thing that I find fr- that frustrates me, if if anything, is not that it's not my how it impacts me. It's seeing other, like you said about other people. Oh, yeah, I don't know. If that's, that, do you know what I mean? That's where that's I am the biggest now. Thing. I always yeah, feel like a little bit thing. of an out of body experience because yeah. I, I've had got this relationship with Jen where I'm going through this process of her learning, and you know, Sil- for her, her playing against Sylvaneth, it's been really hard because it's such a hard army to adapt your playstyle to because they do so many things differently with all the teleporting and they do this through this one. If they go through this wood, it has to be done this way, et cetera, et cetera, which once you understand that great, but then chuck into the mix that now she's got to go into events and I've got to explain to her, right. Those woods are now completely blocked line of sight. I mentioned to her the day she was like, why? It's like, they just do. Isn't that just really, good and you can just stop people doing stuff i'm like yeah yeah yes it is yeah. but she's got to it's remember quite, that when she goes into the games now because it's quite counterintuitive when you come to the table because you can see through them because it's not like a, when you're going down to the if you're going down to for you know you used to go down to the model's perspective and look yeah. and see what you could see and when he was um i don't know one of those big buildings with the uh, telescope on the top because you, you can't see through it no it's obvious it blocks line of sight. Yeah. But when you can see through it, it's quite, it's quite, what's the right word? Um, so we, it's not... It requires a certain level of suspension of disbelief, doesn't it? It's yeah. quite a, exactly. it's an, an abstract, abstract concept. It's, yeah, a true line of sight system where they've just got an abstract concept thrown in, which I, I think Aaron Bailey and Chris actually both said this. I think they should have just done that with hills. So hills should yeah. just block line of sight. You know, like, it's like that hill is that is representative of a hill. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think. You know, I think um, it went back to like, I think one of the issues, um, issues, one of the uh, additions of 40k. Uh, I think it was a lot because I think True Line of Sight came in in fifth. Yeah. And in fourth, when you set up your terrain, it's like, I think each. I'm, I could be completely wrong here because I, I I didn't play fourth, but from what I understood was, like. That bit of scenery and that bit of scenery are, like, for want of a better word, they're number one type scenery. Sure. And then yeah, sort yeah. of number yeah. one type scenery blocks the line of sight for infantry, but not monsters. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, if you're an infantry man, you can hide behind it. If you're a monster, you can't. Which is, which is two a monsters totally could... fine system. But, yeah, but yeah. to echo what you were saying, I don't want it to sound like we're bashing GW. Um, you know, 
they are doing great things and it almost grates it just grates a bit more with me when i think come on really honestly i just want to see it's just it's like you say with jenny you just it's just frustrating to see things that could potentially be a barrier for more people because yeah. the more people that it enjoy is. the hobby the more money is. comes in the figures are better do you know what i mean it all trickles down doesn't it yeah and and to have have something that need not happen happen it's like it really like you see it with anything any walk of life you know when you see something that's unnecessarily sort of preventing something good from happening it can be a bit frustrating can't it you know i don't want to see you know i, I don't want to see it and i'm sure it won't happen but i don't want us to go back to kind of this eighth edition mentality that that kind of existed and it was you know it it was so off-putting for people and they didn't get into it. You know, AOS is always, for me, it's always been like, come on, get in, you know, come so on, I'm there's no reason yeah. for you not to be involved with this. Yeah. Come on, this, these, there's four pages worth of rules. It's all in the nuance about learning. If you want to get into the game more, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You can read all the like, rules. Fuck me, even Ian Gilmore can play. Yeah, yeah. Come on, and get can, involved. And you can understand the combos. Sorry, Ian. Um, I mean, to be honest, you know, playing devil's advocate, I suppose you can say, and I can say this, Jen saying so, and I thought I might be able to do this and say, right, look, this is some rules. These are realm rules. These are the spells that you've got available for the rules. Okay. These are the artifacts you can also choose for your armies. Explain those. You don't have to ignore that. You don't have to use it. You don't need to know that information to play games. So I thought I'd be able to do that. I've been surprised by the response, which seems to be common going, well, no, hold on. I do want to know that. I don't want to not know something. You know, if someone yeah. mentions or talks to me about something, I need, I, I want to know what they're talking about. So it's kind of like damned if you do and damned if you don't. It's like either learn it, which adds all that extra layers on top, adds all those extra books, adds all those extra resources. And then if you want to play it properly, you need to know the FAQs and the designers commentary. Or you say, you know, just don't bother. And then they're like, well, but I don't know something then. So, yeah, it, I think it's an interesting topic. I don't think we're ever going to get that balance right. But I do think I, I do think this may be a bit too much of an influence at the moment of kind of the 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 tournament match play mindset. And that's I suppose that's because I know some of the playtesters and they're trying to do the best things they can within their bubble. And I don't think that bubble is wide enough at the moment. That may be my, my overall thought. I don't know. It's a weird one. But I think maybe kind of they need that. Oh, hold on. Do you think? Do you think there's? Um, I think we need Ian in there. Do you think there's a certain oh, level? Yeah. I mean, just just to finish on that, do you think there's a certain uh, level of assumed knowledge? Yes. Going into it, like, you know, it's sort of like, well, you know, I should, you know, this is kind of like, it's, it's sort of peeling away that that one layer of inclusivity. Is inclusivity a word? Um, inclusiveness. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, it was so straightforward, you know, if you wanted to, if it was, you know, it was so simple because all the rules on the war scrolls and it's just, it's just adding that, although, you know, and it, that can perhaps perceived to be, you know, we, we sort of had it, had it so simple for so long. Like it's almost like, it's not a step back, but it might seem like it to some people. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just, I feel it's a bit of a step back. I feel like maybe... The, the kind of the new 40k rule set might have influenced it too much i think there's some parallels to be drawn there but but anyway we're not a rules podcast i think it's an interesting topic no. in general and i'm only bringing it up really because you know it's interesting with the new release of the game and you know for well, it's important you know again it's um you know if uh, you know the more more people that can get into it the more people that can download 
our podcast and <laughs> the, the quick quicker I can buy this fucking Lamborghini, innit? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I need a, I need a weekend car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I th- I definitely think we need to get Ian in there. Ian, I think you need to become one of the one of the. I'm going to use the term loosely play testers. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know what. I just be there. I don't want to play this rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they should be yeah. right. Okay, so let's like, rethink yeah. this. Let's let's rethink yeah, this approach. I can't, I can't be bothered with living in all this shit. Yeah, I think they say it a lot in so. the business world as well. The sales stuff. Like, if you can't explain this to me as though I'm a five year old, it's just not worth my time. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Anyway, yeah. Um, so we kind of it's an interesting tangent, but we don't often get wrapped up in the rules. But it goes to show, even though we're like hobbyists and gamers and. Um, Ross making some weird noise on his microphone. Um, that it still doesn't. It does kind of matter to us. We still do give it some thought. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, it's the overall community, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And um, you know, if people are, if 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 it's uh, if one thing's going to affect someone's sort of enjoyment of one thing, then you don't want it to have a knock on. You know, they're 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 least like you know they're less likely to sort of start that new army or start that new project or you know it's and and that's what we're, you know mate, I, I couldn't care less about the, the rule changes really i just want to see more cool figures and yeah you know the more people that play the game the more money gw has to go off and develop new stuff so yeah, yeah. For sure yeah for sure i don't think it's, it's one of those things where it's it, you know it's something we do love so we are a bit passionate about it and you know it's I think they do get an awful lot of praise at the moment, particularly nowadays for, you know, for doing things right. And they are and they're yeah. great with information and, you know, they, they do stuff in the right way. But, you know, equally, sometimes when they feel like they're going off tangent slightly, you know, it's kind of it's down to us people to give them a bit of a nudge back in the right direction, I guess. So, you know, if you if you do listen, you feel the same as us, you know, or, or similar or you have your concerns. GW more than ever has always been open to feedback. So don't don't hesitate to uh you know, drop them emails and whatnot and, you know, let them know what your thoughts are. Um, or opinions are valid, I suppose, but they're a bit like ourselves. Everyone has one. Um, and uh, so on that note, anything you guys kind of want to, you, you want to add? No, I don't think so. No. Um, I did want to give a, a little bit of a shout out to um, our super sexy uh, sponsors, which is, as ever, Curtain Games. Um so they have just sold out um, for their next event, which is in September, uh, which is pretty awesome. So, again, that's one of their one dayers, um, which I'm doing the trophies for on my new fancy shiny laser engraver, which is quite cool. Um, so I look forward to seeing people there. So, again, do keep your eyes open. If you're in the area, it's Exeter as a reminder. Um, the shop's definitely worth popping into. But how awesome is this? They've actually got air conditioning upstairs now. They've got a gaming loft. That's like, oh. if the weather's going to be like this, I'm going to be like, oh, that's amazing. It's going to be so yeah. good. So good. Um, so, yeah, do check them up. They've always got the new releases up. Um, they've actually also got, if you're into it, I am, Star Wars Legion. is becoming quite popular. Um, it was very popular at Boss Fest. They've got all the new releases coming up, which you can pre-order on there. Then They're now available now. Um, disclaimer, though, it is Fantasy Flight Games. Fantasy Flight Games go, oh, this is out, quarter three, quarter four. So by all means, pre-order it. You'll get it when it comes in. But Fantasy Flight, not so great at actually getting the releases out. But suffice to say, they they will dispatch it as soon as it arrives. So do check them out. As always, it's curtaingames.co.uk. And 
Yeah, go on. Presumably, presumably they've got Kill Team on pre-order at the moment. They do. Which is... Yeah, the, yeah. New, the new 40k. Which is cases. Which is um, something I'm, qu- I'm, something I'm yeah, quite excited about. Yeah, a good segue there. Yeah, something I'm quite excited about because I think it's going to scratch the 40k itch for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do... got a couple of ideas. I think I might do an Eldar Exodite group. Ooh. Aaron yeah. Bailey will be kicking off at that. We tread on a couple of toes there. Yeah. I'm going to do squats. <laughs> no, honestly. Are you, ju- are, you, a- are, you, are you really are you really doing squats? Yeah. Oh, for yeah. God's sake, why? I didn't realise you were one of them. What do you mean one? What do you mean one of them? A squatter. A squatter. No, I just saw some I, I, years ago, and I, I will share a link. Perhaps there's a guy who did a load of um, squat conversions. He did them when the. Um, uh, the dwarf range got updated. Mm. Um, used the what's the what, you know the ones with the guns? Mm. So they got slightly Iron more sort of arm. Yeah, they got, um, but obviously didn't use the the helmet, so I had them bare headed. I'm sure Gary would have loved that. Um, but the, uh, using like the Space Marine Scout arms and stuff, so sort of slightly shorter arm, and they look amazing. And he did. did um, do you remember the old squats in Exo armor? They used to yeah. like dusty bed. But he did. He did one based on. The Centurion, Space Marine okay. Centurion model, and it looks. I should share the pic with Ian, and it looks cool, doesn't it? Ian, it, it, it must does. have it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think like one of them and a couple of sort of techie guys, perhaps escorted by a a, a mechanicus dude, maybe or something along those lines. That might be quite cool. I think you yeah. just destroyed but, Kill Team for me. <laughs> but that, that won't be that, that that probably I mean the good thing is and you mentioned Luckily, it, it's we'll, you. Um, well yeah it won't be done until 2050 yeah. and we'll be playing holographic Warhammer like fucking <laughs> Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon um, but no like uh, using perhaps rather than the Iron Drakes using some of the Caradron stuff as a base talking now I can't believe you've brought that to this. He's doing squats. We we have lost so much street cred just because of that one announcement. Oh, what do they call them? Do they call them these like, days? The, 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 the triumph, the triumvirate guys, and you know, Ash is going to be like, oh god, not those guys talking about squats. <laughs> Bad enough it wasn't AOS. Um, well, I in Kill Team, I am I I am interested. I'm a bit wary because I am one of those people who bought Shadow War Armageddon, and I'm still but hurt about that. Um, I still do love uh, Necromunda as well, um, but the benefit with Kill Team is that I've got my thousand points of um, Junkatrons painted, so I have a Necron army which is yeah. all made out of scrap and stuff. So I can use that straight out of the box. That's something I can play, and there's some mentions about some local events. So yeah, that's quite cool. Um, it's getting some juices flowing, so that's a good thing. So, Ian, what were you actually thinking about doing other than Exodites? Because you mentioned Gene Stealers. Um, Exodites was the main one I was thinking of. I might do some, considering doing some Thousand Suns, because mm. I quite fancy painting a couple of Zango, but not loads of them. Yeah. Um, I've got three just, in front of me that need painting at the moment. Yeah, so just like doing a handful of models for different factions kind of is something that's. Um, quite appealing where you don't have to do a, you don't have to go down a full army route so just yeah, yeah. scratches the itch without having to uh, spend too much time on it fair enough so, yeah. fair enough yeah um, 
and also so in addition to that obviously we've gone off in a wild tangent we're an aos podcast talking about 40k and kill team mental to be fair the internet has literally gone mental for kill team over the last couple of weeks uh, it almost feels like bigger than the aos launched to be honest everyone seems to be all over it um but uh, Mercia Miniatures, interesting. Um, there's been a couple of conversations about this on Twitter. So I don't know if you've seen this. Chaos War Mammoth, Forge World yeah. model. Really good. Um, I mean, it's you know it's a Chaos War Mammoth already. It's pretty awesome. But it's actually pretty decent in the rules. And it's actually alliable for virtually all the Chaos factions. Um, so Mercia have, do have their, um, their Mammoth, model, uh, Mammoth model, which they are actually doing a kit to have the Howder on them. So keep your eyes open. That will be developed. As soon as that's out, I'll be all over it, tweeting it for people. So do check that out when that comes out. Obviously, they've got their regular releases as well. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, I think we've gone off on some wild tangents. I think this episode is just going to have to be episode 16 of Wild Tangents. Talking about shit we probably shouldn't for a, a painting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, I suppose it's nice to do something different every now and again. It's I haven't talked about my new my narrative stuff that I've been that I've been dying to speak about yet. Oh, come on then. You wait. Well, no, if you, no, it's right. Like you said, I, you, you weren't going to let me talk about it, so it's fine. <laughs> no, come on. It's okay. You, you got your boss fest stuff out you're out of the way, and we went on a wild one about uh, AOS two. Rob, but, um, Rob, you are you can of course please regale us. Oh, no, no, because you're building it up now, and I could, you know, it's like, no, it's going to be, no. be rubbish. No, me and Ian, no, me and Ian, I'm just going to sit here, and we're going to listen to what you've got to say, so please do share. I mean it. Please. Well, okay. Right, so I'm going to start off by asking you two a question. Have you seen a movie called Sliding Doors? No. Yes, it's terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? It's got Gwyneth Paltrow in it, right? What's the, what's yeah. the, uh, Is it what's the plot of them? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, what's the so, what's the premise of the movie, Ian? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow misses a train, on doesn't miss a train. It's like two parallel universes. Yeah, so it's actually a rom com is... about like alternate universes and stuff, which is cool, isn't it? In a way, although it's a shit movie, it's quite a cool concept, right? Uh, to, the the film follows her as her life pans out in two separate ways, just because she mi- either did didn't miss the train or missed the train, right? So. Um, and uh, obviously, Matt, you're a big Transformer fan, aren't you? Ian, 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 less, not as big a fan, but still a fan to an extent. Um, I'd urge you and any sort of Transformer fan out there to go in once you've listened to the podcast and once we finish recording, and you might already have heard of it. Um, but uh, uh, Transformer Shattered Glass, and it's uh, it's basically an, it's uh, follows the original G1 storyline. But it, it diverges off at a point, and it's uh, it's almost like a what if thing of um, basically Optimus Prime turns evil rather than good. And if you know the old G1 continuity, Megatron was actually good at one point and then turned bad. But mm-hmm. because Optimus Prime turns bad, he doesn't, and he becomes you know Decepticons are the heroes, Autobots are the villains, and all the characters sort of pan out differently. It's really really cool. So like I kind of thought, well, what if you know the, the whole kind of what if thing with um, the Bellacore thing I'm working on at the moment, and I mentioned about good Archeon. What I'm actually going to do, and from I think I'm probably going to do it from now on, and it's probably the next couple of armies, if not for the foreseeable future, is base my entire hobby around an actual alternate universe 
storyline. Right. Um, and I'm 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 going to speak to Tyler because I know he did a, a thing for his um, for his Tomb Kings, and I believe Sean uh, Hobby Hammer mm-hmm. did something for his Brayheads, I believe. Um, and actually came up with battle tomes yeah. and had them uh, published. You've got um, Ben Chalk as well. He's got his Wolves of Wolves of Grr. Yeah. So, so check, you know, probably touch base with a few of those bros. And um, I'm actually going to come. It's it's going to be set. It's basically it's going to be it's like the whole taking the whole multiverse kind of idea. Um, and multi Yeah, multi pass. Um, fifth element and. Uh, Sort of having all my armies follow this timeline and storyline, okay. Uh, and eventually, and, and perhaps do a bit of. I speak to Sam because I know Sam's a, a, a Sam Davies. He, he likes his writing and stuff, and get a few pointers from. But I'm actually going to do some. I'm actually write some story behind it, um, as well, which will be available for people to read if they want, and all the rest of it. So it's going to be a big, a long-term project of mine, I think. Um, and, and yeah, so. Obviously, it's going to focus on, you know, what happens if if Archeon never turned to chaos. Um, I don't know if you know much. I mean, it's just a warrior priest and dies in the old world. Well, yeah, he's, quite, he's actually called Diedrich Kessner, and he, uh, he he's actually uh, uh, adopted by a warrior priest. Yeah. But he was um, uh, he, he's uh, he's um, the village got plundered by some some marauders and. The chief, you know, had his way with his mum, and he was born, and all the rest of it. And uh, but yeah, it's gonna, it's all going to be based on that. I'm going to sort of tie it into sort of the end times and what happened around there. And I don't know if you know, the people out there, they, you probably know a bit more about the fluff than I do. But I've been reading a lot of Bellacore's backstory in the old world and then times narrative. Um, there's a few uh, sort of storylines um, where he where he's attempting to become the fifth chaos god, uh, which features in some of the Gorchek and Felix books. Yeah. Um, and a bit of a spoiler thing. Um, so sort of pass this with a few he spoilers. Um, well, no, he, he actually, I think it, it, the last Gorchek and Felix book uh, that was based around the end times was uh, them fighting Bellacor. Bellacor wanted to, um, I don't know if you remember in the end times where the dwarves find the portal that Grimnir uses to sort of go off and fight the, the chaos gods and gets killed and stuff. Mm-hmm. The uh, Bellacor finds that same portal and, and wants to kill Grimnir to absorb his power and become the fifth chaos god. And there's loads of like really cool stuff around that. And uh, yeah, just going to base my sort of next few armies around this entire storyline. And then what I'm going to potentially do is, is work on a story that weaves them back into the, um, the sort of existing sort of narrative and storyline, yeah, uh, with with the with the actual models. Uh, Ian probably um, is in more favourite, but what they did with Marvel, um, they had they had the normal Marvel comics, but they had the Marvel Ultimates, yes, yeah, uh, which is sort of more grown up versions, I guess you could for want of a better word of, of sort of standard Marvel characters. But what they did was. Some were doing well and some weren't. So they merged the universe back together. Yeah. Um, so you've got ultimate characters now living, you know, in the sort of standard universe. And so kind of do that. And, and so yeah, it's going to be a big sort cool of story up, you know, that I'm going to sort of work on over the next couple of years. It will probably take. And 
you know, sort of have armies that are based around that. I've already figured out a way of sort of weaving the my existing mixed order list into it. Obviously, having Orion rather than the Lariel um, and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's uh, just watch this space. There's going to be a lot more sort of narrative focused. There's going to be a lot sort of smaller characters that I'm going to sort of do as perhaps single models or you know work into armies somehow like order characters, chaos characters, death characters and. You know, even if it's you know a, doing a death character and letting Ian use it in a tournament and as a as a gaming piece maybe or you know any, anything like that and you know try and sort of have a bit of a bigger picture with with the, my hobby so I can plan it a bit better. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, sounds cool. Although you're very optimistic, it's only be a, it's only going to take a couple of years. <laughs> well, no, but even, I would say it's a good decade. But in, in the all seriousness, like if even if it did, like being able to turn around and yeah, cool. go well, yeah. my hobby, like that's what my hobby, you know, that's kind of sounds really pretentious, but that's what my legacy in the hobby was <laughs> was to create. This. But do you know what I mean? I've yeah. some books that people can read and it's almost models like having, and stuff. But you're taking it even further and having having this, you know, like it's almost like you need a different word for it than narrative. Does that make sense? Like narrative in AOS. Maybe. Yeah, narrative in AOS almost has its it kind of has its own thing, even though we're not quite sure exactly what that is. And what you're doing is kind of yeah, it's like narrative, but it's it's quite unique. It's like you say, it's almost like that's your that's your plot, that's your like plot threads, that's your story. Yeah. Like it's like your storyboard. You know, if you're it's gonna be your storyboard yeah. of your, your your journey through the hobby and I think that is a cool way of doing it for sure. Yeah. Right, and it's almost like taking a, uh, you know, almost what they they did with uh, the MCU. Yeah, was was planned. You know, they yeah. they got a ten. I mean, they didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but you know, sort of four or five years ago, they released a board, didn't they, with all the sort of movies up until Infinity War, and they knew where they, you know, they knew roughly where they were going to go with it all. And I think just having, obviously, you know, GW going to release new stuff, and there's going to be, you know, the the high elf stuff that comes out and the shadow elf stuff that comes out but even you know using that and you know flipping that on its head as far as the modeling and you know you could always if they bring out a really cool malarian model you know use that as a as a dark you know prince imric or something and or you know whatever i think it would uh, be quite cool which is what you know kind of led me on to death stuff as well and perhaps doing yeah some stuff with that have you know have um good nagash good nagash you know uh cetera um do a, you know a big cetera cetera nagash you know um what's his what's his face Set-a. uh Set-ash. <laughs> but like um you know involved like with the cause the other thing that sort of you know everyone was sort of oh who's you know more type of grief is it going to be what's her face Isabella. Isabella, and it obviously turned out to be a completely new character. But you know, I have you know, I, you know, I kept on saying about wanting to do this, about you know, the Dracula awake or right fucking awakens or whatever the movie's called, that style of vampire army. But um, you know, maybe have it you know as an alternate Vlad yeah. that exists in AOS and stuff. I, so I, I think I think that Lady Orlando can still be Isabella. Oh yeah, potentially. Because I think Lady Yolanda, she's supposed to be one of the she's supposed to be one of the the minor death gods that Nagash. Because it's, it's interesting reading the new fluff. Like Nagash is like the realm of death isn't his. 
he, he's almost like right. a usurper. Like everyone kind of agrees. Well, in the end times, he killed the Death God, didn't he? That's how he kind of got his extra power. Yeah, but even even then, like he go he goes to um, Shaiish and he sits there and he's going, yeah, kind of, I, I rule this, and he starts like just taking over like the other heavens and underworlds of all the other all these different kind of belief systems and also he subsumes them all into himself yeah and i think lady Orlando is one of those death gods of like the forgotten oh right era. right so potentially you could maybe say that that could be isabella who's kind of in a new yeah form, yeah you know, yeah which, which is cool but, the... but going back to what you were saying i think what you should do when you end it you should do it like a panning shot of like the gaunt summoner from the silver tower like overlooking like his mirrored room and it's just they're all like playing out like all these different like dimensions and then you can just yeah, like, john wick going through and like shooting all the mirrors and killing <laughs> <laughs> but there, there was a scene. There's, there's a, and it was, um, there was a, uh, a thread, and it was again from from an old Transformer comic where, you know, there's all these sort of different Transformer lines and different Transformer universes and yeah. stuff. There's um, uh, Galvatron from one of the universes gets hold of this sort of dimensional portal thing, and um, it, it starts to malfunction. All these sort of different portals start opening up, but to all these different and you, you, you just get a snapshot of it. You don't actually, he doesn't actually go through any of them. But there's like one portal, and you can see Shia LaBeouf's character. Right. Like, you know, like yeah. just a, a cartoon picture. And then there's another one, there's one, you know, the Beast, the old, sort of, do you remember the old Beast, Beast Wars. Wars? Yeah. And then in another one, there's like a G1 one. And another one, there's like an animate, that one of the, do you know what I mean? So there's kind of that, that's, I know you were joking about the, the John Wick thing, but the fact that, that you know, the, you could sort of, you know, have all these different sort of dimensions, you know, and I, I think that'd be really cool. And, you know, perhaps even get like, you know, the, you know, Steve Foot and like the whole Sobek thing involved in yeah, it. And, sure. you know, I mean, all that, you know, and, and but that's, you know, that's the thing about AOS, you know, that is like, all that is completely open. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's, you know, it's not like eighth, like you couldn't, if you're that eighth, you'd just be like, you what? But in AOS, because it is that level of, openness in relation to the narrative you can do it um and on the side note i don't know if it's interesting movie fact um for the john wick movie the producers actually campaigned to not have the dog in it at all and or not have the dog die could you imagine that john wick without the dead dog (laughs) yeah this is all emotional attachment just doesn't work without it no movie producers don't know what they're fucking talking about yeah cool also well that's that was very, I'm glad we encouraged you to share, Rob. That was really good. That's it is, and to be honest, I think it's. Well, I, quite, just, I do quite like the idea of. I think, you know, I, I, it just gives just gives all these sort of wacky ideas a bit of continuity yeah. and a reason to do them. Do you know what I mean? I think for me, it's almost like I'm a bit more boring in a way because all my army themes recently, other than Zinch, like Zinch is like pure GW, just is what it is. But like the Cathergal and like the Daughters of Cain stuff, it's all stuff that is kind of IP. It's all, you know, it's Conan, it's, it's you know, it's uh, the Cthulhu mythos. So it's all, I can't really do anything with it. You've kind of made me want to do something. Yeah, and that's, and that's where that sort of stuff, you know, that, that's where that kind of thing you know, gives you that free reign, but it's still... It's it it's give, gives you the free reign to do what you kind of want, yeah. but it still ties it back to the continuity that you, that people are used to. You know, you can say, "Oh, that's just like you know, that's my version of Vlad, but he's 
that's my zombie, you know, vampire lord on zombie dragon, but he's, you know, I've modeled him to look like a really cool Vlad. Do you know what I mean? Or, or oh, you know, yeah. that's my Orion, but he looks like a Celestine Prime. You know, people still, you know, you're not just doing wanky models for the sake of it. You, you, you know, like, like that. I mean, I mean, you know, the the the, the imagination to to use those bits, but that Celestine Prime the reason why uh, Legolas is riding my orc truck is that the the truck it went through a portal from uh, a met gun uh, to Lord of Rings like, no. Oh, you actually came across that, did you? Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, you can't cross, you can't. This was back when I was working for GW, when the movies were out, so you couldn't cross IP. <laughs> so the idea of a kid turning up you know, with an orc truck with, a, like, a leg elastic on the back was like, like no, you, you can't put that on any of these tables, because you'll get in, you'll get us in trouble. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Good time. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, I think uh, I think we'll call it there. If you two are in agreement, if not, we'll keep going. No, no I'm, 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 thank you for having, letting me have my no, little moment to uh, to go on. Um, I hope people have enjoyed listening to uh, my inane ramblings. Rob's rant. Rob's, I like that. Rob's ramble. Rumbling. Rob's ramble. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, one thing I will say is that the end of this episode, I'm utterly, utterly obsessed with this song. Um, <laughs> so we've been, well, obviously we have this 80s um, synthwave vibe with the podcast. Um, so this is going to be Gunship's new track, which was only released a few days ago. Um, and it is, the video is amazing. Yeah, I have non-stop probably just I listen to it over and over and over and over again. It's called Dark All Day. Uh, it's a proper 80s homage, um, particularly to Lost Boys. Um, the video is brilliant. Uh, Lost Boys, Blade, Buffy, um, Dust of Dawn references all in there. So do check it out. Um, and they're actually got the new album coming out in October as well. So as and when you kind of those come um, through, I'll share. The saxophone is, is the same guy who did the, the, the tracks on the Lost Boys soundtrack as well. So, yeah. so. so Tim Capello, who's actually yeah. in he's actually in um, the movie as well. He's 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 an interesting chap. He's well known for his mus- muscled physique. Um, he doesn't wear much clothing. Uh, and his sex, <laughs> sexual thrusting while playing the saxophone uh, with greased black, uh, greased back, black long hair. I mean, what more? What he looks like a WWE on? wrestler, doesn't he? He does. Okay. He definitely does. He definitely does. Um, yeah. So do once you listen to this, um, do check out the music video. It is awesome. And Gunship, you know, these guys should be as mainstream as mainstream comes because the stuff they're doing is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so do check them out and have a little listen after, after this episode. But when, once you've done that, um, yeah, we'll come back for the next episode uh, a couple of weeks' time. Uh, that'll be post-blackout, so have a bit of a chat about that. And we'll have some super sexy guests guest or guests on next time mm, so, intriguing yeah we'll see we'll see about that um so yeah that's all that's that's enough from me and my my ramblings this week bye 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 bye
Diesel, when you wank, what do you find you have to do afterwards? Shower? No. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You told us last night that you wank so furiously you need a shower. You said you always wank. shower after you have a wank. Yeah. 